What's up, everybody? On this episode of the Boston Ski Party, we are joined by Free Skier Magazine publisher Damian Quigley. Damian started at the magazine 10 years ago and over that time has cemented a key role at the iconic publication. He's helped the brand keep up with the rapidly changing media landscape and made sure that the Free Skier voice and core values are maintained. As we've seen with some of the top magazines in the industry, it's becoming harder and harder for these outlets to stay afloat. So a good chunk of our discussion with Damien is centered around the strategies being used at Freeskier to adapt and stay ahead. Damien touches on how vital it's been to build such a strong brand identity beyond just the magazine through avenues like digital content, along with some of the best events in the business. All in all, it was a really dope conversation with a homie of ours who's at the forefront of one of the coolest brands and not just skiing media, but in skiing as a whole, and how he and his crew at Freeskier navigate a section of the industry that has done nothing but demand change since he first got his start. Enjoy the show. Holla. Is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It's cheap, too. Honestly, dude, before we get started, I, I I got something for you for being on the pod. I got I got you a gift. I know it's been a while since you've seen a first place trophy, so I, I just wanted to bring these <laughs> for you. And it says, uh, God, uh, "Free Skier Fest Flip Cup Champion, uh, the Boston Ski Party." Yeah, that was uh, that was like a week before the world shut down. Two weeks. That was not two weeks. Uh, we. <laughs> We had that flip cup tournament, and the very next day, we were on the front page of the Aspen Times playing flip cup, adjacent to an article. It's like, COVID is here. <laughs> oh, God. We're on the roof, like, holding yeah, the holding trophies. trophies. We're like, yeah, yeah. run it up. <laughs> Stay in your houses. That was definitely the last, the last hurrah. We, we, were, we, were, leaving, we were leaving Aspen because um, that was the next day we, we left. And we had a, we had a trip planned initially to kind of, to come back. And I remember we, we were, I, I was like so jacked up. I'm like, dude, I can't wait to come back to the roof. Like we're going to show everybody where we won these fucking trophies. Like we're just going to yeah. flex on everybody. And then literally as we're like landing the next day, all this stuff comes out. It's like, yeah, it's a, the show is over. It's done. Yeah. That was sad. <clears throat> yeah. Man, and just, just squeak that ski test in. And there was a bunch of cases in Aspen. Like that group of like yeah. Australians or something that showed up there. Luckily, we didn't. We weren't hanging out with them. Uh, but that yeah, we got back here and like a day later, we see on the news like there's, there's this outbreak in Aspen, and we're all like, "Oh my god, what do we do?" Flip Cup tournament starts COVID. <laughs> it was really funny too. I was like talking to people after. They're like, "God, I think I talked to an Australian." Oh my god, do I have COVID? <laughs> he was really nice. So. Awesome. Thanks for being here, dude. And really stoked that, that this is your first pod, which is sweet. So let's just, let's just start by you kind of just let us let everybody know, like kind of what you do, man. And where you've been from. What do I do? Well, uh, publisher for Storm Mountain Media and Free Skier Magazine. Um, been there for a little over 10 years now. So, um, yeah, you know, we're a small team, so we, we all wear a lot of hats and I run kind of the sales and marketing side of the business and also, help our editor, Sam Taggart, and the team with the, uh, with the editorial side and um, guiding that content and keeping the voice uh, where it needs to be. Speaking of Sam, dude, we were just, actually we were talking about this 
yesterday when I, when I was kind of going over some stuff, I was like, I, I can't really tell the story because it's just one of those stories. It's like, if you, if you were there, it was really funny. But if you weren't there, you try to tell people how funny it was and everyone just like looks at you like you're stupid. But like, we've been to a lot, a lot of really fun events and a lot of fun dinners doing this myself, George and Matt. But by far, we're all in agreement that that night that we all went out, the next day, that was the most hungover I've ever been traveling in my life. <laughs> that was one of the funniest dinners I, I, I think we've, we've, as a group, has yeah. ever had. Yeah. Ever had. And it's oh funny because like, I, try, was... I try to like articulate that to people. Be like, oh, dude, we had this dinner with Damien and Sam. Oh, like, and try to like retell the jokes and everyone's just like, cool, cool story, man. You're yeah. like, I, I guess you had, you had, I guess to, be you had to be there. guess you had to be there. <laughs> yeah. Those aren't really, a lot of those jokes probably aren't ones to be retold anyway. No, no. I just remember, I remember looking around at the people's faces at the tables around us and they were just like Horrified. mortified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. So how, how, how did you get to, to a free skier? You know, I know. Obviously, you and I have worked together for you know a long time, so I know I know part of the story. But you know, previous to to free skier, you know, I know you worked at Jackson All Sports, lived at Jackson. Obviously, know you're from New Hampshire, um, but run us through that a little bit. Yeah, I grew up in New Hampshire. Um, ended up going up to UVM for school, and um, while I was up in UVM, I took a couple trips out to Jackson with the UVM Ski and Snowboard Club, and I was like, oh man, this place is awesome, and when uh, my time was coming to an end at UVM, I was debating, do I go do the ski bum thing or do you know the responsible thing, go get a job? And uh, <clears throat> I ended up accepting a job as an accountant down in Boston. Nice. And uh, I was like, all right, you know, this is, this is what my parents want me to do, this is responsible. So <laughs> went, down, went down to the meet and greet in the John Hancock Tower, went and saw the office, saw all the cubicles, and I was like, absolutely not. Thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> Packed my stuff up, called my buddy TJ. I said, let's go, bud. We're moving out to Jackson. And uh, bought a van, drove across the country, and ended up out there. And the plan was you know, kind of classic. Like, I'll be here for a year, and then I'll, then I'll go get a job. And <clears throat> you know, if winter turns to summer, and summer's amazing, and then it's winter again. So next thing you know, it's like four or five years in. <laughs> and uh, I had the time of my life up there, and it's working at Jackson Hole Sports. And, um, I just got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm ready, ready for something else. So I actually started teaching myself web, de web design. Um, just got a bunch of books on that. I was like homeschooling myself on it basically and moved down to Boulder to pursue a career in web development. And uh, came down and I was working at this like uh, funny little like university called Naropa. It's like a Buddhist university. Uh, I was just working in the admin department there and uh, I saw that Free Skier was hiring for a gear editor. So I was like, oh, sick. I'm gonna put, throw my hat in the ring for this. And they were like, yeah, send us some, some writing samples. And I was like, I don't have any writing samples. <laughs> I was like, I know gear. <laughs> I was like, I know gear, I can write. I was like, give me something to write about. So they gave me an assignment to write about as they were like, you know, you're, you have this new outerwear company and you're like pitching people on it. And then also from the other side, like review this outerwear. So. I just did this whole writing assignment for them, sent it in, and uh, apparently it was pretty good. They called me in for an interview, had me do some more writing on the spot, and uh, then hired me. Nice. Nice. I, I got to back up a little bit because the story about you buying a van and moving out west with your buddy TJ 
Sounds a whole lot like Aspen Extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's, the, it's the plot of so, Aspen Extreme. Yeah. <laughs> D- Damien Dexter. Some people, are you some Dexter people like Dexter? the movie. <laughs> I am Dexter. Some people like the movie. I liked it so much I wanted to live it. <laughs> How's the wine? Yeah, no, we bought this like we bought this sixteen passenger van off of his parents and like ripped out the seats and like just piled up full of stuff and this thing is like it's like baby blue and it's like the handicap version so it's got this like huge tall roof it was it was amazing and we drove that thing around jackson for a few years did you live in it at first yeah did you have a place lined up and <laughs> you just were like fuck it let's go we did not actually we got out there and we actually stayed at the hostel in in the village yeah uh for like for like a month we lived at the hostel which was awesome you know got to get to meet like jeff ledger and some of the other people that were running that place and uh, it was a really cool experience and then we both got jobs like pretty quickly and just kind of like searched around and eventually found a spot to live and then you know as it is in ski towns over the course of five years lived in like god like 10 different places there right and did you work with Larry for a while? Jackson was oh, yeah. the yeah. I worked. I did work for Larry. Yeah, love that guy. Dude, he's awesome. Such a boss. He's awesome. He's such a boss. I can't it's imagine not- like having to, you know, being the the manager of Jacksonville Sports and having to deal with like a new crop of ski bums every year, like just want to ski and party, but they need a job for the pass. And so he he did an awesome job at corralling that and just running a running a sick shop up there too yeah and a lot of employees a lot i mean i remember him telling us like the like the war stories of yeah. every, like to, to your point damien like every year he's like yeah man we got like you know another x amount of people like hundreds of kids yeah and, and he would just tell he would be telling me all these stories about all these all these kids and everything that they're doing incorrectly and i'm like holy crap he's like dude it's every year it's every year <laughs> there's always somebody doing something so stupid every year and it's like it just i have to deal with it but it was it was funny yeah. hearing it from him talk about it which is yeah. pretty funny yeah and that's i mean i tried Go for it, Damien. I tried not to do anything. I tried not to do anything too stupid that you had to deal with. So I think <laughs> yeah. he liked me. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and I mean, as you guys know, super common occurrence for ski retail, retail in general, but specifically ski retail that is somewhat seasonal, uh, you know, dealing with employee retention and people just not coming back or even people like, hey, I got Christmas break off, you know, like, cool, you're going to come in for a month. I got to train you. Mm-hmm. You're going to you're going to be dialed right at the time you leave and then worrying about, you know, somebody else coming in. So, um, yeah, that's pretty crazy every year. Yep. So it's kind of full circle yeah, for like, you, Damien, this year, huh? Going back to Jackson for a free skier. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Uh, you know, I work with Jackson, um, <clears throat> as, as a partner of, as a free skier. So I get to go there quite a bit, but to be able to bring the test back there was, was pretty special and bring in some of my, my old homies in there to be involved with it as well. So what was your, was your first, test uh was it at aspen yeah okay yeah, that was uh spring of 2013 okay yeah because i had done um at fisher there you know i think free skier did man uh solitude for a year or maybe two years i forget that was i think that was before your time but it moved pretty quickly after that just because where it was set up was not ideal um and then back then there was still a park test so like there was a park test at Keystone at the time in April, which rest in peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which was a good time. But I think as, as park skiing and the amount of skis that were sold in that category got a little bit less, you guys kind of 
Although you still tested Parksy, you just you didn't have a, an actual <clears> test <throat> for him, right? Yeah, we've had a park test, a park specific test, all the way up until a couple of years ago, and then yeah, the you know the manufacturers just have submitted less and less of them to the test, so it kind of got to the point where it's like, okay, it doesn't make sense to have a whole separate event. So <clears throat> um, at Aspen, it was a little tough because Aspen Mountain doesn't have a park, but at Jackson, at least there's a park there, so we can take out a couple of park skis and test them in there. Yep. I, I'll be honest, like going to Aspen, I didn't think that it could be a better setup, to be honest with you. You know, you can do your reviews on the Gandhi. You can go up, you get off. There's the corral. You can get a pair of skis and then you can do this sick hot lap all the way to the bottom and kind of hit whatever you want. But so I was like, I was bummed when Matt's like, oh, we're going to Jackson. I know it's like first world problems. But I was like, oh, dude, I want to go to Aspen. <laughs> Must be nice. I know it is. It is great. It is really, really nice, to be honest with you. But once we went to Jackson and... Obviously, after the first or second day, I'm like, this is actually really freaking sick. Yeah. Well, it, really also, sick. it also helped that it was just puking. Well, yeah. Snow. I mean, conditions aside. Yeah. Um, and then for you, I know we talked about it when we were there, but like, this was the first experience you had in tent life, dude. I mean, what a tent difference. Tent life, man. The difference between those two tests and like Aspen, they're both awesome places to test, but like the load in and the tent life, like. All I pretty much knew for, you know, getting ready for the ski test, you know, everyone shows up on Sunday afternoon and, you know, we do a load in and we organize all the skis. And as you guys know, um, you know, we lay them all out on the snow. And then in Aspen, we had the cats come down and pick them up and brought them to the top of the mountain, which is where we staged the test. So it was always this cluster of like trying to get everything organized and like get it ready in time for the cats to come down and like, oh God, do we have enough baskets for the cats to load all the skis up and like. It was always a pretty stressful afternoon and experience. And to then go to Jackson where the tent is just at the bottom of the hill. And I just like, yeah, just show up between like three and five. And I'll be in the tent, like handing out high fives and just bring your skis in. It was like so low key. It was like such a nice experience. Dude, it was awesome. And then, and then I, obviously gearing up in there too for everybody and like having a place where everyone can, can, can meet and congregate is, is insanely cool. Yeah. In Aspen, we're at the top of the mountain so that, uh, and we're outside. And so we're kind of, exposed to mother nature or whatever she wants to bring us and if it's a nice sunny day then that's great but if it's puking snow or blowing sideways and we're just out in that all day so to have the the events tent at jackson was really nice you get the you know just, DJ just set up in there and the yeah you know food laid out and, and everything so just really to, nice. just to clarify for people that are listening so and we're just kind of talking about the test and we didn't really kind of actually describe what's going on so the, the free ski fest test used to be at aspen and the corral of skis that the testers would grab from were at the top of the mountain. So you get out of the gondola, kind of either ski or walk around, get your skis and ski down. So it was kind of like a backwards type of testing situation where now that it's at, at Jackson Hole, there's an actual big tent where everyone can kind of gear up and the skis are in the tent at the base. Um, obviously a much different situation. Yeah. Versus, you know, going up your first run with no skis and having no place to kind of really like essentially boot up and like meet up with whoever you're testing with that day. It's just a totally different, different vibe. And to your point, you know, saying like, yeah, we can put a DJ in there, you get food in there. And then it becomes more of like a community type of feel because everyone's kind of hanging out the whole time versus just like, you know, doing the test and then kind of dispersing to wherever you're going afterwards. Yeah. And the Eric like Skip and Jackson next year. <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's, it's news to me. <laughs> the, the logistics, like like you said, Damien, I know you, you brought it up a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, the logistics on your side were, were pretty insane. I mean, I remember pulling up there years and, you know, undoubtedly people are showing up late. You know, like you said, you've, you've tried to organize 
this spot at the bottom where everybody can drop their skis. You didn't mention that there's like 200 pairs of skis like laid out on the snow. Some of the manufacturers haven't put labeled labels on them yet. So Damien's like running around mm-hmm. putting labels on skis for people. Um, you know, usually it ended up getting dark before all the skis were loaded up. It's, you know, blowing sideways, you know, all this, all this logistical. Chaos. Yeah. Absolute ca- chaos. Yeah. Absolute chaos. So I think, um, <laughs> you know, as much as a lot of us loved Aspen as, as a test venue, I think, you know, for you guys, it probably started off a whole lot better and a whole lot more positive where manufacturers can just drive up, drop their skis off. You can double check if they've labeled them, whatever might be the case. And then, you know, everybody's on their way. Um, yeah. And Aspen, Aspen is always really good to us. And their, their events team up there, like Meg and Zahn and Tiff and Liz and Hanley, they've all, they always took care of us. It was just kind of like the, the situation, like that's as organized as it could be to get all the skis at the top of the mountain, really. Yeah. And what, I mean... So for, for the free skier test, I mean, what, what, what do you think, you know, separates free skiers test from, from some of the other tests out there? I mean, obviously there's, there's less tests now that there's no skiing magazine now that there's no powder magazine. Um, you know, there's, there's still a few tests out there, but you know, what, what do you feel made free skiers different or special? Well, I mean, first and foremost, it's obviously our testing process. You know, I think every outlet has a, has a little bit of a different um, process to it. And I don't think there's any perfect test really, but uh, I think we get as close to it as we possibly can with our ski testing app. So, you know, we have X number of skis split into different categories and we'll do one category at a time. And, you know, a tester will come and get the ski out of the rack, go and ski it, and then they can sign into our app and choose the ski from a drop-down list. Um, You know, it's got the description of the ski, a photo there, tell you what it's all about and you rate it on the different categories and put in all your commentary and submit it. And myself and the rest of our team are sitting there, you know, at, we're, we're monitoring the test in real time, seeing how many tests each ski has so we can pull them. So everything gets an even amount of tests and you know, it's, it's a little bit more, you know, there's a subjective format in there obviously with the commentary, but it's, there's an objective testing to it versus just going out and like, you know, Brewing down with the with the rep from Rosie or whoever it may be, and like, okay, put the ski back, and move on. You know, we actually have concrete data that after the test is said and done, we can download all that data and go through it and and make our decisions as to what's going to go in the buyer's guide. Yeah, I mean, the app is awesome from someone that that has used it in the moment when you're kind of cycling through skis and you're on the lift or or you're just like grabbing a beer at the end of the day. It, it's so easy to kind of go through, pick pick the skis that that you skied that day. And just obviously talk exactly what you want, say what you want to say about them. It, it's awesome versus like going back, having a conversation, having to kind of like talk about it in a group scenario where like the app, you know exactly what you were feeling as you were skiing that ski. So you can just literally just like you plug it right in. And, and from the data standpoint for you guys to get it all in real time must be freaking awesome. Yeah, it's super helpful. You know, we're cruising around just like, okay, this ski's done. You know, it's got 10 tests on it. Pull it out, move it aside so you can focus on like the skis that we need to get done. And that way, I mean, make sure everything gets like an equal, equal testing ground out there. Yeah. And I, I think that, that specifically, you know, Damien, you and I have talked about this over the years. And obviously I talked to, to mm-hmm. you and George about this. I mean, that for, for certain brands that, that app was a game changer. Um, I know this is, pre you being there, but you know, there was a time when the free skier test was a, a little bit less organized in its infancy. 
and, um, you know, brands, some of the smaller brands that would show up and, you know, I hate to keep going back to the Fisher thing, but obviously I was at Fisher at the time and, mm-hmm. you know, the Fishers, the heads, the, you know, quote unquote, less cool brands at the time didn't always necessarily get a fair shake. You know, I mean, I remember there was times where I'm standing there at the tent, like, Hey, ski my skis, ski my skis, ski my skis. And they're like, no, I'm skiing whatever, you know, forefront armada, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I, I remember you, you just like saying like, Hey, look, like I'm paying X and my stuff is not getting skied at all. Right. I mean, and the importance of good gear testing is, is huge. You know, it can shape obviously someone's whole year, depending yep. on if it's a new model and it, it not only at the, at the consumer level, but at the manufacturer level, like if you have this epic ski, you go to a ski test and no one's skiing it. I mean, that's kind of, it kind of sucks. Well, it doesn't show up in the mag. It doesn't show up in the magazine. It doesn't show up on the website. And so it was, it was interesting to see like all of a sudden everybody was on level playing ground. Right. And Fisher went from essentially not showing up in the, in the magazine to, you know, winning a couple categories of skis. And it was, it was literally just that easy as getting people on the product. So, Mm -hmm. I applaud you guys, and I think Harvey developed that app right before he left. Um, but it was it was it was amazing. I mean, it, it's it's still an amazing app. But at that time, for ski testing for for media ski tests, that was a huge breakthrough. Yeah, Damien. I mean, have you got that kind of feedback from all the manufacturers saying that the app is is awesome because everything is getting a fair shake in the test? Yeah, exactly. Like everybody, everybody loves it. It's just so efficient, and everybody feels like they're you know, their products being seen and being tested. So yeah, people, people love it. And then I think another thing that I liked about our test is like, we encourage, you know, you know, the brand reps to come and to talk to the testers and educate them about the skis. You know, I think some tests, you know, there are tests that have been blind or like where they don't want the reps talking to the, to the testers. And I think it's important because you're not going to go into a ski shop and just buy a ski blind, right? You're going to talk to the guy at the ski shop and figure out what that ski is for. And so I think it, the tester needs to know that when they go out, like, okay, this is where this ski is supposed to excel. Is it excelling there? Instead of like taking a few laps and trying to figure out what the ski is about, you know, mm-hmm. it's just way more efficient. And I think it mimics the process of buying a ski a bit more. Yeah, no. And, and it's more, it's more honest too, when you can get real time feedback. I, I know obviously you can ski a ski in the morning and then if you're not going to talk about it or review it until say five o'clock, I mean, a lot of things get lost in translation sometimes. And to be able to do it kind of on the spot, as you're kind of cycling through what you're going to do for the rest of the day, it, it makes a huge difference because it's received, the product itself is received at the testing level so much more like honestly and fairly by doing it, you know, right as you're doing it, that I think it makes a humongous difference. It only makes yeah, a huge difference. Go ahead. Sorry. We can, get, you know, we can get a number of tests on each ski every day too, unless, you know, one person maybe like takes a ski out and like, disappears for a few hours and it like, never comes back and then it's a bit of an issue. Uh, that's pretty funny because because I'm sitting next to somebody who uh, who's notorious for for doing that, Mr. 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 Berkowitz. And you would think, honestly, you would think that from being at Fisher, like he always reminds us that he was at Fisher for so long, that he would know and respect the fact that people are there to get their shit tested, and he's just got us in the backcountry all day long. We got to get the shots, Eric. We got to get the shots, George. Matt had MJ's Alon Ripstick 116 one day for. The whole day, pretty much the whole day. She was sending you death threats. Yeah, as the day was went like, on. I think it was like late in the morning. MJ is like, "Have you seen the one sixteen? I haven't seen it." I was like, "No, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it'll be back soon." And <laughs> we keep an eye out. Like another hour goes by. She's like, "It's not back." And someone's like, "Yeah, I think Berkowitz took it." Mm-hmm. So like, I yep, called Berkowitz. Of all yeah. people, of all He's people, like, yeah, no. 
yeah, no, we're just, uh, yeah, we're we're just doing a lap. We're doing a lap. I was like, okay, in, well, we've been in our lap for about three defense, hours now. In our defense, it was one lap, and yes, it did take over three hours, and it was a bad look. I admit that. And <laughs> Eric's busting my balls. He knows how bad I felt. M- and MJ- Matt was afraid to go in the tent afterwards. I he, didn't want to talk he, to MJ. He, he was, was like, I'm just going to oh, stand yeah. outside. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I can't go in there. I literally can't go I in there. I got a call from him. I got a call from him when he was almost back. He's like, dude, I'm almost back. Like, what's the deal? She like super pissed at me. Like, oh God, she's, she's calling me. She's calling me. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, but it was actually really nice because then she ultimately took us out to dinner that night, ironically. Yeah, which was crazy. Which was great. We offered to take her out. Um, but so, so there you go. That's a perfect example of w- something that works with the free skiers test. Obviously my fault. We were in the backcountry. We were getting content. We took way too long. Um, so that ski on that day didn't get skied enough to get a fair shake. So Damien sees that in the app and says, yep. you know what, bring the ski back tomorrow and it's going to get tested nine more times, whatever. So, yeah. um, thankfully you're doing it that way because if not, MJ probably would have killed me. Yeah. Yep. That was <laughs> awesome. And I, I just thought it was great that it was you that did it of all people. It's awesome. David. So I, I know we have all of our favorites cause we get to test all this stuff. I, you have a dope little wall behind you, but Coming from your test this year, I mean, is anything that stood out to you that you that you were really stoked on? Anything in particular? Oh man, <clears throat> it's such a hard question. There's so many good skis out there, you know. Yeah, it's true. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I've, like I guess this wall behind me is somewhat representative. I've, I've always been a fan of of blizzards, and I really like the Rustler line and uh, their new Hustle ski that they came out with. I don't know if you guys have skied that. Yeah. Uh, kind of a nice crossover between their Zero G and the Rustler line. That's super fun. Um, these K2 dispatches, the 110, um, really fun poppy ski with like a little bit of a hybrid Tetanol layer in there. Love that. Um, love what the forefront guys are doing. I mean, Jay Lev's coming out with six skis. There's just, it's just so hard to narrow it down, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff. And, and like we were saying earlier, or I was saying earlier that Jay, the amount of skis that you ski uh, that you see of his come through is is incredible, and it's kudos to him because obviously the skis are skiing fantastic, and graphically yeah. some of the some of the stuff is just so so out of the park. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's great. So people ask me all the time when they learn that I work for Free Skier, they're like, "Oh, what's the best ski?" And like, let's flip that around. Like, what are you looking for? Like, what type what type of ski are you? Let's start there. Yeah, and we'll start to like sift through all these awesome skis for you. Yeah, how many skis were in in the test this year? Uh, we had about 200 and 220 maybe. Yep. Wow. Yep. A lot of skis. It is a lot. I mean, when we were in the test tent, it, it, it looked like a lot, but it didn't look like it was that many. That's pretty good. Yeah. That is pretty good. I mean, we, we personally skied a lot of skis for, yeah, we, for as long as the laps were. I mean, we skied a ton. Matt, Matt only skied like three pairs. <laughs> well, yeah. That's a lie. He's behind the camera, dude. Lie. He's behind the camera. <laughs> like, that ripstick is great. <laughs> yeah, that 116, though. That's, that's a good ski. It's a good ski. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, that, that was a lot, a lot of fun, especially uh, you effing with MJ. It's great. It's great. So the media landscape, dude, is obviously changed dramatically as we all know right especially haven't noticed especially in ski media i mean it's obvious i mean so many different publications are going away i mean but to me anyways like free skier has always seemed like 
they have an advantage because it's not like just a magazine. It feels like, I mean, at least to me, it feels like it's not just a magazine, like what you guys do on the online component, the way you guys use social media, industry events. I mean, do you think that having such a strong brand component to free skier has helped you guys position yourself for success, both presently and setting yourself up for the future? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, free skier was founded with that sole idea in mind, you know, to create a fun brand. And obviously it all started with the magazine, but it's also started with, you know, bringing athletes into the fold and traveling around to interact with their audience and throw huge parties and giving people something to get excited about. You know, obviously we all love skiing. That's why we're here, but free skier is a lifestyle brand. And I think that's what separates us from everybody else out there. You don't really see other ski media brands inviting the audience to come and hang out and party with them, you know, and that's something we do every year. This, you know, this last year we went out and did our music in the mountains tour and brought a bunch of concerts to cool venues and mountain towns and just showered people with free gear and free skier swag. And, you know, we're giving away skis and outerwear and goggles and those people that win that stuff are psyched. And a lot of that free gear is, you know, thanks to the partners and the brands that we work with. And that also gets them in front of our readers. So it's good for them. And, you know, even the people that just get a free skier hat and have a good time and get to interact with our team or some pro skiers, you know, they're hyped to remember that stuff. And I had multiple people come up and thank me at those concerts last year, just thank me for bringing it to their town. And I certainly don't do it alone, but it's, it's cool to have that interaction with them. And it's definitely my favorite part about free skier and, and what we do is getting out there and showing people a good time. You know, we'll always have print magazines and the digital content, but it's going beyond that and really just bringing it into their lives and stoking that fire. You know, we were founded in 97 by Brad Fayfield and he still owns the company and he's not really involved in the day to day, but he gives us the autonomy to operate as we see fit. And as long as we don't sink the ship, <laughs> that's uh, you know, how it goes. So I think that we are just really like super flexible and like sometimes to our own detriment is like, we'll, you know, we can act really quickly and get things done quickly where some of these bigger companies, it takes them a while to get wheels in motion on certain projects or do certain things. And so I think that's a huge benefit to us for sure. And, you know, free skier and like right, you know, before I even got there was definitely first to uh, like really take over the digital space in the mm -hmm. ski world. Um, and that has been a huge boon to it as well. And, you know, keeping those channels alive and like just being able to grow the audience, like obviously, you know, started as a, uh, you know, park and pipe mag. And it's just so much more than that now. And the audience has grown so diverse and, being able to put out relatable content to all these different facets of our audience, I think is what keeps us, you know, keeps us chugging along. Yeah. I mean, from an outsider, you, you see what, what powder and ski magazine kind of started to go through and all the struggles there and you hear all this chatter. I mean, from you kind of being in it on the ski media side, I mean, that obviously presents an opportunity. I mean, what was kind of going through your head when you see, you saw those two kind of publications start to kind of go, go through what they're going through. I mean, as like a ski fan, it's never something you want to see, obviously, right. you know, it's kind of sad to see those things go away, you know, as a, as a business person, it's like, it's nice to, to have less competition. Right. Um, but you know, it just kind of opens your eyes to like what's going on and what you need to be focusing on to, to make sure your business thrives in the, in the years ahead. And so that's what we did. Like, what can we learn from these? Like, what weren't they doing? What were they doing? You know, what, what should we focus on? And so. That's what we're doing and like trying to just stay true to the free skier voice and, and keep it fun and relatable and, and keep it free for, for our audience. You know, there's so much content out there that, you know, it's watching what's going on outside and seeing that paid media model. You know, I think everybody has been watching with a keen eye, like, are they gonna be able to make this work? And, 
it's obviously a really hard model to make work and they're giving it a go. But I think, you know, we will definitely be staying as a, there won't be any paywall on free gear. So I think uh, readers are happy to see that and we're happy to, to get the word out about all the gear and make it readily accessible for all our partners. So I think, you know, that'll, that'll definitely help us in the years ahead. Yeah. And, and from a ski test side, to kind of go back to that real quick, are you going to stay the course with what, what's been happening with the app at Jackson? Do you guys make plan to make any changes going into next season? Um, what's going on with that? Well, part of that process is, um, you know, we as we sift through the data and build the buyer's guide, which we're doing right now, we, you know, we talk about all that. Like, is there anything we could have done better? Anything you should tweak for next year? So, you know, we'll put the buyer's guide to bed in about a month and a half here, and then we'll start talking about uh, next year's test and, and how we're going to do that. But I don't see any major, major changes. I think that like the way we run it with the app and, and everything is, you know, as you talked about is, is really efficient and works really well and, and gives everyone a fair shake. So no need to like tear it down and rebuild it. It's not broken. No, it's not. I think it works great. And from someone that's, that's there testing it, it's, it's fun and I can get all of my opinions on the skis into the app like immediately like we talked about which which is all which is awesome yeah um and it's fun for us on the back end like you know a month later i'm like sifting through i'm like oh here's what berkowitz had to say and here's what eric had to say about this ski like all right interesting right, right before he deletes them <laughs> <laughs> next uh, uh yeah and, and eric kind of mentioned um we we did glaze over it a little bit but but events you know i think that in my mind o over the years you know, I've kind of seen you guys pivot events wise as well. And I think that's a differentiating factor for free skier that is not something easy to get into either. Uh, you know, events, as you know, Damien, are obviously really difficult to put on. And I think in free skiers infancy, it was more like, hey, we're going to be at SIA. We're going to be at X Games. We're going to be at the U.S. Free Skiing Open. We're going to be at Dew Tour. We're going to be at all these. And then I feel like it kind of pivoted into, and this is probably when you kind of started there, but um, really building your own events and having your own events that, that free skier was really owning and running. Um, you know, can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, the last few years, there's been a whole slew of, of free skier events that I feel like probably a lot of people don't even necessarily right. know about. Yeah. Like you said, we used to do a ton of like X games and do tour and it's all very like industry focused stuff. And, um, I love putting on events and I think, um, it's really important for us to like go out and like interact with our, with our audience. And so we kind of turned that to a more of a consumer facing model, um, where we did like, God, a few years ago, we did like vote on your best opera bars. We did like a 25 stop tour where we went all around the country and like through parties of the opera bars and, um, I'm a big live music fan. So we kind of incorporated that last year. We did, uh, like a six stop concert tour, um, around all these cool mountain towns in the, in the rock mountain Rockies. And, um, yeah, it's, I think it's just, it, it helps bring it and make it real for the audience. You know, it's like free skier is bigger than the sum of its parts. And then part of what it is, is giving something for people to rally around, you know, it's like you're out there skiing. Okay. Day to day, but like, be like, oh man, free skier here. That's awesome. And it's not because like I'm super cool or Sam is. It's like the brand is cool, you know. And if we can go out there and like create these experiences for people and like toss people a free skier hat and they're stoked and we're bringing live music to them, just like heighten the experience of going out to the resort or hanging out in Jackson or Aspen or wherever it may be. Like I love bringing that to people, and I think that's definitely a differentiator for free skier. Like you don't see other brands doing that right now, and so. That'll definitely be something we focus on moving forward, building that, making it um, bigger and better as we go. Yeah, the brand component is obviously humongous. 
and it just it makes free skier feel so much bigger than it than it is. No, no offense, but it's true. It, it feels big and it feels yeah. awesome, and pe- people want to connect with that brand. You know, they don't even necessarily need to know you or Sam, like you said. They just know that free skier is this cool thing that they want to be a part of, which is which is huge. And it's and it's, it's kudos to you, man, because it's it's a it's really well done and it's it's awesome. Um, it's more than it's more than just ski reviews and cool content. Yeah, like you said you're really bringing it to to the community. Sure, they're in they're in ski towns or they're ski bars, but you know, like Eric said, bringing that that brand component where you know maybe somebody hasn't ever even read the magazine, you know, but then all of a sudden free skiers in this town putting on a concert, you know, it's it's something that people can relate to that aren't necessarily diehard skiers. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I remember, I remember when I was growing up and like, you know, events would come to town and like, you know, pro skiers or like brands or whatever. Like I just remember being like so hyped and get like a t-shirt or a hat and like interact with those people. Like, so if I can do that for somebody else, or if we can do it as our team, like, I love that. Dude, I, I mean, I remember when, when I first started in the ski business in, in college, like working at a shop and then, you know, you'd get the ski, the free skier delivery and like there's this like epic looking magazine with like all these like articles and ads and like the, the photos and you're like dude this is so sick this must be like this like huge production you know of like yeah who's putting this together and all this stuff like that and you're like it's so rad and then as you kind of like go into the ski business and grow into it, it it doesn't become less cool by any means but you start to realize that like yeah it's like you know people like damien and sam that are putting this whole thing on and it's just this huge brand that people are associated with it's really pretty cool, dude. I, I will say, and well, it's just uh, in Aspen two years ago, two year, whatever it was. The last time we were in Aspen, when we walked into like the the the, the kickoff party, um, before the test, and like there was like people wearing like ski monster hats, and like there was like ski monster stickers everywhere. I was legit like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, like what what is happening? Like how 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 could this how have happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, how did this happen? <laughs> and we, we were fashionably late because we had just, we had landed late. So everyone was kind of already there. And we walked in and like, I, I was not, people were just like wearing it like ski monster, free skier stuff. And I was like, this is, this is not, this is fake life. This is not real. Like, this is the magazine that I would hold in my hand. Like, you know, when I was like 21 years old, be like, look at how fucking cool this is. Yeah. And literally walking into the ski test and people are like handing me like a ski monster sticker. I'm like, oh, cool. Oh, thanks. I Thank know you. them. I know those guys. <laughs> It was and surreal, that's the story man. For so many people, like our ski testers, man, they have like, man, like three years ago, I was in New York working at the shop, reading this magazine, and now I'm here testing skis in Jackson or Aspen. Like, it's like mind blowing for people. It's so, so fun sick, for dude. Everybody. It's so fun. Yeah, it, it really and is. I want to say, like, you mentioned like me and Sam a bunch, but like, you know, I want to give a shout out to like Melanie who works with us, who like crushes events with me as well, and Flip, who's more on the business side. But um, you know, it takes a whole team for sure. And we got Jordy on the team running social media now, so. Um, well, Sam and I are kind of leading the train. There's definitely you know, a whole team here that's bringing it all to life. Yeah, and I think I think that's something that you know, even avid readers of of Free Ski or whatever magazine it might be, I think, you know, it's easy to get that and have it in your hand and look at it and be excited about it. But not a lot of people think about what what goes into to actually producing that magazine and like, you know, you, for. for First and foremost, sure that the the gear test is part of that, but like that's not the whole issue. And then there's several issues after that. Like, run us through that. I mean, it's yeah. it goes from from obviously you guys are sitting around talking about ideas of whether it's content or trips or or whatnot. And then all of a sudden, y- you got to have those ideas. You got to write them down. Somebody has to write the stories. You got to get the content. 
you got to design the magazine. You got to lay it out. You got to put it all, put all together. Yeah, it gets distributed. Like, uh, you know, I get lost in the fact that you get that magazine in your hands. You're like, oh my god, this is this is awesome. Yeah. I get so excited, but like behind the scene, you're the guys. You know, the team behind the scenes, and like I'm sure you guys are, especially with Buyer's Guide. I assume that's biggest. Not, I hate to say most important, but you know, probably your your most stressful issue of the year. Is that correct? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean. That process starts, you know, in like the December previous to the fall. And, uh, you know, it's when we first start getting on different manufacturers' skis for the following year um, to start getting our first impressions of them, diving through catalogs, seeing what's coming out. Um, and then, you know, we'll test a few skis uh, throughout those couple months between December and the ski test. And then obviously the ski test, you know, we're diving in super, super deep. Um, we do the backcountry test. We're doing. We're testing outerwear. You know, we're testing all sorts of stuff in between these events. Um, and then as soon as we're done, you know, we're pretty much diving right into it. We're exporting all the info from the test, sifting through that, picking the products, uh, writing about it in-house, as well as getting contributors to help us write about all this gear. Um, and then, you know, putting it all together in the magazine. There are you know two hundred and twenty something pages of just like technical information that you have to get right. It's like unbelievable. Yeah. So fact checking all that you know going back and forth manufacturers getting images shooting images going to the studio putting it all together reading through all this information like over and over and over again to make sure it's all correct it is uh it's a pretty insane process and i'm on my 11th buyer buyer's guide now which is pretty crazy to think about but uh yeah it's um it's one that takes uh you know the better part of a year to really bring together to to put it in people's mailboxes and put it on newsstands which is pretty pretty nuts to think about it is. It is a strategy right now to re to remain both print and online and have multiple issues throughout the year. Or have you guys internally discussed the possibility of just going completely online? What's what's going on with that? Yeah, we've talked about it all, but we're definitely keeping print. Uh, you know, it's such a big piece that separates us from all the other ski websites and blogs out there. Um, you know, our print buyer's guide is obviously such an important part of what we do, and people love that and expect it. So we'll continue to deliver that and other print issues, and then. Online, you know, we'll be bolstering our digital buyer's guide with even a ton more gear this year and ramping up our storytelling there. Um, so that will all, all that stuff will stay in place. And obviously this time of year, we're super focused on the buyer's guide. It's a huge project for us. But alongside that, we're having conversations with different resorts and brands and venues about what fun events we can uh, drum up this year. And I can't really speak to those at the moment. We've got uh, a ton of fun stuff in the works. And yeah, we're excited to, to keep that rolling. And then back to the print part of it, you know, not many people know this, but our company, Storm Mountain Media, actually owns Snowboard Magazine as well. And that's gone through different iterations and teams over the years, and it went quiet for a little while, but with the absence of Transworld and Snowboarder Mags, Jeff Baker and Mike Basher, some of the OG snowboard guys, they got together with their owner and saw some real opportunity there and put together an awesome team and fired print back up again last year. And they're doing two print issues this year as well as a ton of digital content so in an essence we're, we're really like doubling down on print right now and uh, they're using a bit of a different model where as a media company they they partner or as a media brand they partner with only a certain amount of uh, different brands so sort of a limited seats on the bus so to speak and once they fill those slots you know that's who they're working with for the year and yeah like I said they're doing two print issues really high quality tons of gear coverage good storytelling so it's cool to see them ramp that back up yeah, I mean, I, I love the actual print magazine. I've said that before, and yeah, I'll say it a million 100%. times. It's yep. it's insanely cool. 
Yep. You get it. You have ownership of it. You hold it. You feel it. You look at it. You read it. And you're like, this is this is sick. Like this is like really hype. This is hyping me up. Versus like I think we've all just become so used to just looking at a screen, like reading a blog. Yeah. And you're, and you're, it's fine, right? But like, it doesn't excite you anymore. Unfortunately, it's just kind of part of life. So when you get that magazine and it's like, yo, these are the top whatever skis of this year, you're like, fuck yeah, let's go. Like, let me let me read. Like, I'm I'm ready to read this, you know. Versus like, if you just get a yeah. link sent to your email, it's like, oh, read a read our buyer's guide. You're like, nah, skip. Well, before you, you, know, you know what I mean. Right, yeah. but it's before, way different. You're not as excited to like click into it, you know. Well, you look at a you look at a couple things, and then yeah. undoubtedly, like you're checking your email, you get a phone call, like you're you're gone, and you, like yeah. I feel like you get that print magazine in your hand, and like you you dedicate some time mm-hmm. and sit down and, and look at it, and you're you're reading articles versus on a screen. I feel like it, it gets it gets glazed over, but. Um, I, I assume Damien in, in your, you said this is your 11th buyer's guide. Like I got to ask any, any, like any horror stories, like when the magazine's like at the printer, any like crazy changes, mistakes that jump out at you. Oh man. There was uh, <laughs> there was one time years ago when we were on print deadline and I accidentally erased the entire folder of the magazine in Dropbox. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> So that was a bit stressful. <laughs> Nate I, I was, I was where's, the, where's, the, where's the magazine? I was thinking it's, like it, it gone. a bad typo <laughs> yeah, or no. something. I deleted it. I deleted it. <laughs> it doesn't exist. I remember uh, yeah, I was working with Nate Abbott on at the time. It was like late night in the office. He's like, what just happened to the magazine? Where did it go? I was like, I don't know, dude. He's like, you just deleted it. <laughs> The thank whole thing? God we were able to thank God we were able to restore it in Dropbox, but it took a lot of work to get it back for sure. Yep. Jeez, that and is a little stressful. Holy any crap. any like crazy misprints or anything like that, or or pretty? It's been pretty tight. Uh, you know, with that much stuff, with that much you know factual information and that many different products, things were gonna go wrong. So yeah, there was uh, you know, we printed a wrong top sheet before. Um, and you know, every year there's going to be like one or two little things, maybe the MSRP is off or like, you know, this fact is off or that, like that stuff definitely happens. And you know, it's just kind of like nature of the beast, but, uh, I pride ourselves on, uh, getting 99% of it right. So, yep. And how many issues are you guys planning on doing print wise throughout the year? Uh, we'll be doing two this year. Okay. Um, you know, we always, you know, kind of look at talking to our partners and looking at what other people are doing and just kind of try to find the sweet spot. And, uh, I think two for right now is, is pretty nice. You know, we got the gear Bible that comes out, the buyer's guide in the early fall. And then another issue where, you know, we have a little bit of something for everybody from athlete profiles, destination, travel stories, more gear in that issue. Cause everybody loves gear. Um, it's kind of a catch all there and probably be some 25th anniversary content in there this year as well. So is, has that affected, um, you know, obviously ad partners are what keep the lights on mm-hmm. in your home office right there. Um, but obviously, you know, the, 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 the ad partners obviously keep the magazine going. Um, so is that, has that made it tougher? Obviously you guys have a, a big online component too, where, where people can capitalize on advertising there, but you know, cutting back to, to two issues, has that been, has that been harder to lock down, you know, the, the, the resorts, the car companies, the alcohol brands. I mean, I, I think, well, you, the people in this room know that it's it's probably not necessarily the endemic, the ski brands and right. stuff that are keeping the, the magazine alive. It's 
it's a partnership of, you know, car brands, alcohol brands, resorts and stuff as well. Is that, has that been harder to, for your ad team to lock down that type of stuff or, or no? No, I mean, it's, I mean, it's always a challenge, you know, like capturing marketing budgets and keeping, keeping things alive in the ski space. Obviously it's a niche space and there's only so much money to go around, but I think part of us reducing the issues is to, you know, better capitalize on where people want to put their money. So, you know, that's why we're doing more events. That's why we're doing more stuff digitally. So instead of just like, you know, we're making five print issues and you're going to buy into it. Like that just doesn't work, you know? So it's like, okay, what do you guys want to do? Let's work together to find a strategy that works for everybody and like keeps this thing thriving and keeps the ski community going. Which, yeah. which I think is cool. I mean, that's a great part of like what you said. It's, 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 in, it's independently owned. You guys are able to, to pivot pretty quickly when you need to and to be able to, you know, go down to two issues or go back up to six or whatever might happen. I feel like you guys are, it's, it's easier for you guys to pull that stuff off and then, like you said, really be a partner to these people who are, you know, um, looking for ad space or whatever and, and really working with these guys to, to get the most out of the partnership for both, both sides rather than saying, hey, we're going to give you six print ads in, in the issues this year and here's how much it costs. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you know, um, we work with non-endemic brands, you know, like worked with like Toyota and Range Rover and Bud Light and Steelhouse and Zen. And those guys help us do like really fun stuff. But um, we also, you know, want to want to always cater to, you know, the endemic brands because, you know, those are our true partners. Like they're all true partners, but like that's the ski community, you know, so we need to help each other out and, and keep this thing moving. Yeah. Yeah, dude. We're kind of at like an hour where we like to kind of cut it off. So... I'd like to say awesome for you to be here. Thanks for doing the pod. Glad that you're, you know, doing your first pod with the Boston Ski Party, which is pretty rad. And uh, also really glad I got to flex on you with our trophies. So it's a win-win. Are we going to get to defend those? <laughs> yeah, dude. Are, are we going to defend the trophies? What's going on? I think so. I think, uh, you know, this last ski test was still, you know, it's still COVID lingering. So I wasn't, uh, wasn't too much of a rush to like host a flip cup tournament, but uh We'll get another chance here soon. We'll get you guys back on the table. Let's do it. But start, are you gonna start be, practicing. Are you going to be upset? Are you going to be upset when you lose, though? We'll see. Three-time we'll champ. We'll see. We'll three, see. Three-time champ. Do, do, you want us, do you want us to travel with them? Do, do, do you want to pass them around? Like, you know, or, it says 2020 or we can on just, it. Well, we could just do another one next to it. Twenty. No. No, new trophies? Fine. Fine. Yeah, I'm just thinking more like Stanley Cup series, but it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. No, we want a case full of them. A case full of them. Okay. What's right. like the age cutoff <laughs> when it like stops being cool to want trophies from a it, drinking game? It, it doesn't. Ever. doesn't exist. Ever? I agree. Ever. I Ever. Agree. I mean, who wouldn't want to flaunt this? Look at this thing. I couldn't wait to show this to him. I mean, that thing's sick. That, I mean, props <laughs> on that design, too. So sick. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was, I was pretty excited when I found that one. I was able to get it made. <laughs> I'm glad you made it for us. Well, awesome. I'm glad you still have them. Display them proud. Will do. Perfect. Well, thank you guys for having me. I uh, really appreciate it. Love you guys, and uh, can't wait to get back out on the hill with you. Sounds good, Damien. Thanks again. Yeah, bro. Thank you. Later. All right, see, see you. Ya.